Amen. Glad to be here. God is certainly good. Um, last Wednesday night, I spoke to you on continuing, and we made it to chapter 3 of the book of Acts, and we began discussing how continuing brought Peter and John to a place of credibility. And if you'll allow me tonight, I want to just pick up right there uh, where we stopped and see if God will help us tonight to find our own place of credibility in this crazy, crazy world that we live in. How many of you know we live in a crazy world today? Amen? Getting crazier all of the time. Uh, if you watch the news very much, almost anything that comes down the line, it's almost not even shocking to us anymore. Uh, things have just uh, gotten so crazy in our world. And we know that that is uh, because of sin and it is because of the enemy that is working overtime and uh, doing everything that he can uh, to knock the church out. So before we dissect the actions of Peter and John, let's define credibility tonight. Um, Webster said that credibility is the quality or the power to inspire belief. Basically, the ability to be believable and to cause someone to trust what you are saying. And this is literally the difference in a continuing church and a dying church. We must have something tonight that moves among us, through us, and in us that distinguishes us from every other religion, every other group, every other sect, every other meeting. Amen? That's why Jesus sent them to the upper room in the first place. That's what the day of Pentecost was all about. That's what the Holy Ghost was for. But ye shall receive power. Power for what? Power to be credible. Why do I say this? Because he told them that the purpose of the power is to make you a witness. See, God didn't fill you with the Holy Ghost and give you power so you could be arrogant, so you could be puffed up, so you could walk around holier than thou, self-righteous, Come on, somebody. Make you feel like you're better than your neighbor. He didn't give you power so you could look down on everybody and judge and condemn and criticize. No. You got power so he could get glory. You got power so he could be worshipped. Amen. Because this thing is not about me. It's always all about him. And he empowered me so that I could be a credible witness so he could get the glory. And I think sometimes we get that wrong and we think uh, because uh, we've experienced the power and the gift of the Holy Ghost that somehow uh, maybe we've arrived somewhere. And if we're not careful, we can become critical and we can become cynical. 
That's why Peter and John's encounter with the lame man is so important. Because it's the first true test of the new church's credibility. I can almost hear the lame man when I think to that scene and I play it out in my mind. I can almost hear him saying, well, here comes them Holy Ghost guys. Here comes those Jesus name preachers. Here comes them tongue talkers, those spirit guys. I wonder if they've got something for me today. I've heard about their blessings. I've heard about their miracles. I've heard about this power they are professing. And I wonder, is there anything to it? How many people do we come in contact with on a day-to-day basis that know what we profess, that know what we believe, that know what we stand for, that know what we do, yet maybe we never even give the opportunity for them to hear about him? Don't you know the enemy was hoping Pentecost was a one-day affair? He was truly hoping. It's all right to let that little group right there get a hold of this spirit. But if I can stop it right there, I'll be satisfied. I'm telling you tonight, hell hates our message. Hell hates our doctrine. He hates our distinctions. He hates our faith. He hates our worship. But more than all of that, he hates our witness. The enemy, he doesn't want to lose anybody. He's like God. God's whosoever will. The enemy's also trying to get everyone he can get. But he's content with us being a group to come together, to worship God on Sunday, have our time, have our praise. Wednesday night Bible study, come together, hear a little word. Just don't let it go forth. Just don't let it get out of the doors. Ah, they can shout all day long. Let them go. He doesn't like it. But more than all of that, he hates our witness. Because as long as I have power, I will be a witness. Amen? I'm going to be a witness that he's still alive. I'm going to be a witness that he's still in charge. And I'm going to be a witness that Jesus Christ still sits on the throne. Heaven is still his throne tonight, and the earth is his footstool. And when I have power and witness, that reminds hell every day you failed. You took your best shot, you gave it everything you had, and you came up short. That's why Pentecost can never end. That's why there is no amen found at the end of the book of Acts. All the other books in the New Testament, you'll find them ending with an amen, but you will not find an amen at the end of Acts. It's not there. Because these works we're supposed to continue to do. Because this promise, this power, this 
truth must be credibly carried forward in the lives and in the hearts and in the mouths of the believers. We need and we must carry Pentecost to the world. Now, I don't know about you tonight, but I'm extremely thankful for a church that didn't die in infancy. Uh, I'm thankful that the church progressed and moved forward, matured and grew through the ages of time. And one day, a few years ago, at the age of eight, it found me. I'm thankful for that tonight. Amen. And you ought to be thankful that people endured and these early Christians endured the things they endured and they stayed true and they stayed faithful and they stayed committed. And today we have the gospel because someone got a hold of it and bought into it and brought it to us. I love our doctrine. I love our doctrine. I love the lesson a couple of Wednesday night on our doctrine. I could listen to it every week if we wanted to teach that. Every week. I love our doctrine. But listen closely to this statement. We cannot love our doctrine to death. What do you mean? Let's not get so caught up in trying to out-apostolic everyone that we neglect to carry Pentecost. To everyone. I'm glad that I'm following the apostles' doctrine. I'm glad that there's some things through their teachings that I've settled in my life that I'm going to do and I'm going to live and I'm going to preach and I'm going to teach. But I don't want to love it to death that I never give someone else an opportunity to experience it. See, Pentecost was the outpouring. Pentecost was the place where the Spirit came down. And I believe sometimes that we can get so insulated and so isolated that we love our doctrine to death and we don't let it continue. Is this all right tonight? How can we do it? Watch Peter and John as chapter 3 begins. Uh, first thing I want you to notice is they went up together. Verse Number one, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the ninth hour of prayer, being at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. They went up together. You know what the church needs today? We need some togetherness. Boy, the enemy has used pandemic, he's used virus, he's used fear, he's used tactics, he's used every weapon at his disposal to try to get us scattered and separate. Because he understands the power of unity. He understands the power of a people who know how to come together and unite and lift up the name of Jesus. He knows how powerful that is. And we need some togetherness in the church. We need some brotherly love. Amen? We need to stop measuring motives and examining and just get together. Do you know, I believe this, this is what I teach and what I preach. Pentecost was the undoing of Babel. 
the undoing of Babel. Now, let me explain that. Babel was where the children of men, the children of the earth, decided we're going to build a tower for us. and We're going to make ourselves a name. And that tower is going to reach the heavens, and we're going to walk up, and we're going to see the Lord face to face, and it's going to be a tower for us. And the Bible said that the Lord looked down on their unity, and he knew that it was in their heart to do it, and that nothing was going to stop them. And so to counteract them making it all about them, he sent diverse languages, and at Babel, There was languages sent out, and it was languages to divide. It was languages to send everyone out. But Pentecost, unity was so great in that upper room. Those that had obeyed the command to go and tarry had spent their time in prayer. They had spent their season, and unity among them was so great. Think about what they had just been through. This man they had been walking with, this man they had been witnessing for, this man that they had seen do all these mighty miracles has been tried in what was a mockery of a trial, beaten, just totally defamed and defaced, and ultimately crucified, died, and he's risen again and told them, to go wait. And they went with such unity, with such expectation of what is he going to do. And the unity was so great there that God sent language to empower and unite them together. I believe that's why we got tongues. I believe that's why the Lord chose. It was a language that brought us together. He separated us at the Tower of Babel when it was all about us with diversity of language. But at Pentecost, he sent a uniting language that we could all speak and all come together as one again. Because Pentecost was the undoing of Babel. It was the thing that brings us back together. And here we see these men going together. Now, I don't know if they had the same convictions person. Good. Amen? I don't know if they believed everything just the same as each other. I don't even know if they agreed on everything. I don't know their individual personalities, proclivities, all of those things, but I know this. They had a common experience. And God sent them out together. And he sent them out as the first credibility team for the gospel. See, you got to understand something. Peter represented truth. He had the keys. We've heard that so many times. Love the analogy. Love the example. He had the first revelation of who Jesus really was. That was Peter. Peter was truth in a person. God revealed to him who Jesus was, the mighty God in Christ, God incarnate. God revealed that to him. But John, what do we know about John? John said, I'm the one he loves. 
I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. He was the one with his head in the bosom of Jesus. He was the one that felt Jesus' very heartbeat. Peter could be rough sometimes. He could get stirred up. Might even cuss a little bit here or there. He just kind of told it like it was. Just like it or lump it. Anybody ever told you that? <laughs> I ain't going to look over there. Somebody over there liked to say that when we was little and we didn't understand why it was no, it was like it or lump it. <laughs> Amen. But that's Peter. When he spoke, it was, I know I'm speaking truth. And you either receive it and like it or whatever. But John, he spoke with love. He added compassion. He looked through eyes that had been filled with the wonder of who Jesus really was. Hear me tonight. We need truth, but we need it with a little love mixed in. Amen? We can preach this thing so raw, and we can preach this thing so hard. Amen? It's got to be tempered with a little love. It's got to be tempered with a little compassion. It's got to be tempered with a little bit of mercy. Aren't you thankful that Jesus is loving and merciful and compassionate? That he doesn't just say, here's the rules. Like it or lump it. Amen? And here we find the perfect mixture, truth and love, to encounter a need. And I told you last week, this lame man is no stranger. He's well known to everyone. Everybody knows who he is. He's been faithfully, daily, every day carried to the gate of this temple. He's never walked. He's never worked. He has lived his life stuck. Just simply stuck. He's a victim of his circumstances. He's crippled and sadly content to conform to culture and just pick up a beggarly robe and do what folks in his condition do. He's accepted what is believed of him. He's just acquiesced to what they thought he should be and he should do. As I said last time, his days are monotonous. They're routine. Every day, same pattern. Get up, wait on my friends. They're going to bring me down to the temple. I'm going to beg. They're going to bring me home. I'm going to buy some supper with what I collected that day. I'm going to go to sleep, and I'm going to wake up and do it over again tomorrow. And he's trapped in a vicious cycle. He's caught up in this rat race called life. He knows about religion. He spends every day seeing it firsthand. He lives on the church doorstep. He's watched as they walk by. Many of them too busy to stop and take time. They hustle into the temple. They do what we do when we come together. They worship, they praise, they shout. They have a great time. They 
interact with one another, fellowship a little while, check on how the week's been, give everybody a go have a great one. They walk out through the gate, and he's still there, unchanged, unaffected, untouched. And he lays in bed wondering, what are they going to church for? Where is God? Is there anything to this? What has happened to him is what is prevalent in our world. There is no credibility. You know what the devil has done with religion today? He's stripped it of its power. He's robbed it of its demonstration. And because of that, there is no credibility in the church anymore. But this is no ordinary day. Because today, truth and love are working together. Peter and John are about to give us instruction on how to regain our credibility. First thing they did, they faithfully did what they knew to do. And that sounds very simple, doesn't it? The first thing they did was they were just faithful to do what they knew they were supposed to do. Verse 1, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. Remember, this is the beginning of the fulfillment of his command. They had a word to go into all the world, but not until they had received power from on high. See, the first thing you got to understand and know is God's never going to send you until he first equips you. But once he equips you, he does expect you to go. They didn't know anything at this point, but we have received and now we are to go. That's what they knew. That's what he told them. Go wait. Power's coming down. And when the power comes down, go be a witness for me. And they had received, and now they knew it's time to go. So they stepped out, and they simply did what he told them to do. Now, I'm like you. Just like you. I know. We like order. And we like information. And we like details. And we like schedules. And all of that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> when the Lord says go do something, I really like it when he gives me all the filler information and all the details. <laughs> Makes it so much easier to just step on out there and follow him when I know, yep, that's what he said is going to happen there. Yep, that's what he said is going to happen there. <laughs> but in God's kingdom, there will be times when you're going to have to step out and not know everything that's ahead of you. You're not going to know every detail. He's not going to give you full disclosure, but he will just simply say, go. Amen. And that's when you got to trust that power. And that's when you got to trust that faith. That I have 
heard from him. I'm equipped of him. And so, Lord, help me. I'm going to take this step. I don't understand it. I don't know where you're leading me, and I don't know where you're taking me, God, but you've never failed me. You've never let me down. You've never left me out on a limb by myself. So in trust and faith of you, I'm just going to step out and go where you say go. And here's the beauty in that. As long as you go, and as long as you do as he says, he'll be there with you. Remember those disciples? He told them to get on a ship, and he said, let's go to the other side. And lo and behold, they're out in this ship, and a big storm blows in. And they are chewing their fingernails down to the elbow, trying to figure out what we're going to do to survive and get out of this storm. And they forgot. Jesus is on the boat. He's asleep. (laughs) Because when he says, go to the other side, it doesn't matter what storm comes. It doesn't matter what opposition comes. It doesn't matter what blows in unexpectedly. As long as he's on the boat, you're going to the other side. You got to faithfully do what he said to do. They had to get in the boat and they had to launch out. But he was always there all the time. It may feel like he's asleep sometime, but I promise you if it gets more than you can bear, you've just got to go down and say, hey, master, we need you to wake up. I don't think we can do this on our own. I don't think we can figure it out. Because he might have been asleep. He was still on the boat. You just got to do what you know to do. And God's going to work out all the rest. Amen? Next thing they did, they stopped and they sensitively addressed needs. Verse 2, And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Verse 3, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms. The man asked alms. And Peter and John stopped. Now, I know, I know, a lot of us would have put the pedal down and kicked it in overdrive and tried to get on by there. Right? Because we're human. I understand that. But when he asked of them, they stopped. They were concerned with him. They were not too busy to be bothered or inconvenienced with a need. See, their Christianity wasn't a duty, but it was who they were. It was their life. They had walked with Jesus long enough to know he would have never, never ignored a request for help. So they turned their ear to him and they said, tell us all about it. See, this is tough in 2021. We're all bombarded. 
We're all busy. We're all trying to make it ourselves. But can we feel the pain of our neighbor? Do we see the needs and just ignore them? Do we turn and go the other way? Not these guys. They had the courage to face problems. They were compassionate enough to stop and listen, but they had courage enough to face the problem. That's what verse 4 said. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. In other words, I'm not looking away from you. I'm not looking through you, beyond you, but I'm looking directly at you. And here's where we differ in many respects. We oftentimes don't really believe we're ready to help someone. Anybody ever feel that way? Ah, I'll let somebody else go talk to them. I'll let somebody else go and reach out to them. I'm not quite there just yet. It's all right. You know why we feel that way? Because we know our own weaknesses. And we allow them to keep us from being a vessel that God wants to use. Newsflash tonight. You cannot do anything within your own self. Cannot do anything within your own self. You know why we don't see God using us more? It's because we've forgotten how to be vessels. See, we think we have to have the solution or the answer. We think that God would only operate through us if we are perfect. Hear me tonight. God never has never and will never operate through your perfection. God operates through faith. You don't have to have everything in your life squared away for God to use you. You don't have to have it all figured out. Matter of fact, you can be one big mess at the time. But if God puts you in the right situation and you've got his spirit, he will empower you and equip you in that very moment. If you'll just learn how to be the vessel. I don't have to be the solution. I just have to know how to let God work through me. We don't merit his favor. We don't merit his grace. We didn't earn his love. Why would we need to earn the right to be used by him? So all you need tonight to be used by God is faith that he will use you and faith that he will do it. See, the apostles had that kind of faith. Faith that stepped out on God's word and God's promise. So because they were faithful and caring and sensitive and bold enough to face problems, we find that others started anticipating receiving something from them. Verse number five, and he gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them. Now, 
here's a question for us. Do we live our lives in a way that others know they can look to us when they are in need? Say it another way. Does your neighbor know they can call you for prayer? And when they call, do they expect God to hear you and meet their need? Does your extended family know they can bring the cares of life to you? And when you pray, God will move for them. Do your co-workers know that if they have a problem, you're someone that's safe. You're someone that can be trusted. So they don't mind seeking you out when the storms of life blow their way. Does anybody just randomly call you up for prayer or word of encouragement? See, the apostles lived their life or their lives in such a manner that others anticipated. This man expected something from them. When he looked on them, he was filled with expectation. His faith was elevated to believe for something. The blessings of God ought to be dripping off. Praise God. And people can tell the difference in just material things and the blessing and the favor of God because they don't always go hand in hand. But when the Spirit of the Lord lives inside of you, the blessings and the favor of God ought to be dripping off of you everywhere you go. People ought to see you and recognize something's different. People ought to see you and expect, oh my goodness, if I could get them to pray for me, I'd just believe God would touch my knee. And they did what we don't do. Watch how honest they were. They realistically admitted what they couldn't do. Watch verse number six. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. I ain't got what you need. Because if you back up and remember in verse two or three, he asked an all. And they said, hey, look at us. And he looked, and he expected, and they were honest. Wow. We don't got what you need. Can't help you. Do not have it. Sir, we don't have any money to give you. See, we have to be honest. Sometimes you can't help in the manner a person needs. You can't pay everybody's rent. Can't pay every light bill. Come on. But they gave what they had. Finishing verse 6. We don't have any silver or gold, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and they used their God-given authority. And see, you've got to understand the Holy Ghost came upon you to make you a witness and to give you some authority and some power. Christ had empowered them. 
Christ had enabled them. He had authorized them. They had power over sickness and disease. They had authority over devils. Come on. They may not have had what the guy asked for, but they had what he needed. And they generously gave away their spiritual resources. What I got is yours. You know, there's a scripture in there that talks about freely you have received, now freely give. You were never meant, there's, there's, a, there's a passage, I didn't have it in my notes, there's a passage, I believe it's in Jeremiah, that talks about being a cistern, a broken cistern that can hold no water. We're not containers of the Holy Ghost. We're conduit for the Holy Ghost. We're something that the Holy Ghost is meant to flow through. And as long as I'm dispensing, he's going to refill. You know, the people that I find that lose this are the people who try to just bottle it up. Just give me what I need. Let me contain it. Let me go through my life. Let me just get there and squeak through the gate and hear him say, well done, now good and faithful servant. Let me tell you something. If you're going to hear him say, well done, you got, you got to do what the rest of it says. You got to be good. You got to be faithful. And you got to be a servant. Well done, thou good, faithful servant. Amen. We're not going, you're not going to hear those, those gates click behind your heels. You're not going to make it in. On the skin of your teeth. Amen. I know the scripture said the righteous scarcely be saved. I understand all of that. But I'm telling you, you're going to walk in and you're going to be his child or you're not. Amen. And the people who stay the longest, and I'm looking at you tonight, are people who have learned how to distribute. And when you got the Holy Ghost, you didn't say, Lord, fill up my cup and that's all I want. You, you come singing, fill my, here's my cup, Lord, I lift it up, fill it up, fill it up, fill it up. And every time you come to the house of God, he's poured out and he's poured out and he's poured out. And you weren't afraid to go share it through the week and to go give it to somebody else because you know as long as I come in with my cup, he's going to fill it up. Amen. So they gave away what they had. Now, a nickel in his cup would have bought bread for a meal. Alms would have supplied a need for a time. But if he could get Jesus, it would make a life-changing difference. See, it's time for us to lay down excuses and learn that all we need to offer is Jesus. We're never going to have enough money. We're never going to have enough resources. We're always going to be lacking and insufficient. Jesus couldn't pay his taxes, but God sent money in the mouth of the fish. Come on, 5,000 to feed? No worries, Jesus. There's a kid over there with a sack lunch. Let's just get it from him and see what you can do. These stories aren't there because... They wanted to take up space in the Bible to make it a big book. 
These stories are there because you have a big God, and he hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he's done for them, he'll do for you. We don't see miracles because we don't operate in that kind of faith anymore. We're so scared to give something away. But I'm telling you, if you'll give it away, God will replenish and God will renew and God will restore. And he'll begin to work the work that only he can do. Jesus is all we need. Yes, I know we need to feed the hungry. I understand that. But more than that, we need to introduce them to Jesus. It's a crazy thing. The church has almost been tricked in this hour into becoming a humanitarian organization. I got nothing wrong. Give all you can. Do all you can. Amen. I believe in it. We need to clothe the naked. We need to feed the hungry. We need to do all this. But more than that, we must introduce them to Jesus. By sharing Jesus with the man, Peter and John solved a practical problem. Verse 7 and 8, what happened? And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which had sat at alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. The real problem was he couldn't work because his ankles and his feet were crippled. The real issue wasn't that he was hungry. Hunger was a result of his need of Jesus. If they had just made an excuse and went on their way, the problem would still be he needs Jesus. <laughs> and not just him but everybody else that needed him too. But standing up and proclaiming him wasn't enough. They needed credibility in what they were saying. Giving him Jesus fixed a lifetime problem. What does the old proverb say? Give a man a fish he eats for a day, teach him the fish he eats for ever wasn't just about that need that he saw. And see, that's what people get hung up in when they're in a trial and they're in a storm and they're in a dilemma. They think they know what they need. But we know the bigger picture and we know the greater solution and the greater answer. They could have given him alms and he'd have been right back there tomorrow. But this was a different day. They needed credibility in what they were saying, and that's what we need. And they gained it through demonstration. When people saw this lame man from birth, when they saw this crippled beggar walking around, leaping, praising God, running in and out of the temple, elated and overjoyed, they knew these men were not phony. They knew these guys are 
for real. Hey, did you see old so-and-so? I know him. He's been there all his life. He's never walked. I've known him since he was a boy. My family's been coming to this temple. He's been here day in and day out. I know him. Because this is somebody they knew. They've seen him every day begging, asking, sitting, and again through demonstration. The crowd is filled with wonder and trying to figure out what just happened here. I still believe we need a lot of that in our church. I still believe we need a lot of what just happened here. Don't you like services where you walk out of them and you say, what just happened in there? That wasn't manufactured through a song. That wasn't manufactured through a message. That wasn't manufactured through anything that anybody could do. That was the Spirit of the Lord that came in and moved, and I don't even know what all He's done yet. We're still sorting it out. Amen. That's why Joshua had them put those stones up. He said, when your kids come by and they say, what meaneth this? He said, I want you to be able to point back and I want you to say, this is the kind of stuff that happens when you serve the God that we serve. It doesn't make sense. The priest just stepped out in the water and all of a sudden the water rolled back. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. All I know, son, is we went across and there's a memorial to prove it because those came out of the middle of where the water was there's still some things that ought to happen that leave us in wonder and amazement what in the world is going on and that demonstration finally my last point tonight gave Peter a platform and proof of the power of Jesus Christ so I end with this statement tonight our continuing hinges on our credibility amen now we started this service off thanking God that the church continued and found us and that we're all nicely sitting here tonight feeling the presence of the Lord because it continued and it only continued because people faithfully stepped out and God did the work. Because it's not my credibility that I'm after. It's His credibility. I'm trying to live my life in a way that empowers and inspires someone to trust that He truly is who He says if you read the rest of chapter 3 when you get home, you'll find that the rest of that was Peter preaching another Jesus name message to them. Remember, it was Acts 2 when he said, this same Jesus whom you have crucified has been made both Lord 
and Christ. He picked right back up in chapter 3, preaching the same message. This Jesus whom you've rejected, this Jesus you gave up in a trial for a murderer, he's the one that's done this. It don't have anything to do with John, and it don't have anything to do with me. All we want you to know is he gets all the glory, and he gets all the praise. Do what you want to with us. Say what you want to about us. All we know is we're going to keep giving, and we're going to keep spreading and we're going to keep offering and we're going to keep going and this thing's going to pick up steam and it's going to continue amen because it's a force that just simply cannot be stopped don't just be a Christian in theory be one in action be one that continues there's an old saying, people don't know how much you care until they know how much you care. How strong that should rest on the hearts and the shoulders and in the spirit and soul of those of us that know him. We've got the answer this world's looking for. We've got the message they need. We've got the truth. We've got to make sure that we couple it with love and reach with mercy and compassion. And I believe we'll see God continue to do great and mighty things. Would you give him praise tonight and thank him for his word? Lord, we love you today. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you, God, for your grace. I thank for these precious people, God, that have come together on this Wednesday night. I pray, God, that this Bible class, Lord, has been a blessing to them. I pray, God, that you would remind us and strengthen us and encourage us, Lord, to be what you have called us to be. Give us strength and the ability and courage to step out when you say go, understanding we don't have to be the solution just the vessel that you can work through. We give you all praise tonight. We give you all glory. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.